Welcome to Growing in Grace with Pastor Victor Morrison. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas. We are praying that God will bless you as you listen to this message. If you would like additional information on worship times and ministries at FBC Columbus, you can find out more at our website, fbccolumbustx.org. And now, take your copy of God's Timeless Word as Pastor Victor gives today's message. Welcome to Growing in Grace. My name is Victor Morrison. I'm the senior pastor at First Baptist Church, Columbus, Texas. I'm so glad you've joined me today. Today we're going to look into God's Word at 2 Samuel chapter 7, the last part of that chapter, verses 18 down through 29. You're going to hear the heart of a man who is truly thankful. Uh, it's kind of interesting that he was thankful because he just got a no from God. And I mean, he had a special dream of something that he wanted to do for God. And there was nothing wrong with uh, what he wanted to do. He wanted to build a temple for God. And yet God uh, said, you know, um, thank you for wanting to do that, but that's not what I want you to do. But I tell you what I'm going to do for you. And he gave him some promises of how he was going to bless him. And of course, the man uh, that I'm speaking about is David. David was the king, and uh, it was amazing, you know, when you think about uh, uh, his life and how God took him from watching over some sheep and took him all the way to the top of the nation of Israel. And so what a, what a blessing uh, he received in his life whenever he began to walk in the will of God. And uh, definitely God's ways are the best, no matter what happens. You know, there was a a man a long time ago, we're getting very close to Thanksgiving, and I can't help but think about a man named Squanto. Uh, Squanto was a very, very important person in terms of our pilgrims and how they he helped them uh, to begin at the very start uh, when they first landed. You know, uh, Squanto was from the tribe of the Pawtuckets, and uh, he definitely was used to the Lord, like I said, but you know, first, before they ever arrived, he was actually captured in 1605 by Captain George Wymouth and taken uh, as a slave back to England, and he stayed over there in England for nine years. But during that time, he was learning English. How little did he know probably at that time how God was going to use his English uh, language ability. But he later uh, was able to come back back to uh, the United States. Of course, at that time, it wasn't called the United States, but he came back to his uh, homeland with an explorer named Captain John Smith, only to be tricked by another man named Captain Thomas Hunt, who took him uh, in irons once again, only this time, instead of to England, he took him to Spain. Uh, thankfully, he escaped, and he was uh, able to meet some Spanish monks, I think they were called friars, and uh, they introduced him to Christianity. He found out about God's sovereignty, God's love, God's purposes, and God's goodness. So he found uh, himself on another boat, coming back across the ocean again, back uh, to the eastern uh, coast of uh, the United States. And uh, he found out that once he got here, that his whole tribe had been wiped out by smallpox. 
So if you think about it, so far, Squanto's life seems to be a really tough, tough journey, doesn't it? When you think about all these times that he was taken as a slave, you think about being against his will, think about coming back over, and then his whole tribe was wiped out by smallpox. But, you know, it's almost like when you look at it from, a, from an aerial perspective, he actually was spared. He might have been there in the, uh, the smallpox epidemic and have lost his life, but he was spared. And I think he was spared for a purpose. And I'm so glad that uh, God had him there because later he would become an emissary for the uh, governor, William Bradford, who was with the pilgrims and just uh, how important it was that he used his English ability, like I said earlier, to help the pilgrims uh, to get settled in. And so I'm so thankful how God's like that, you know. Sometimes even though we get a no, we have disappointments, we have discouragements, and things are hard and tough. Yet through it all, if we could just see the hand of God, then it would help us to realize. And I think that's what David felt as uh, he got this no from God, and yet he turns right around and hits his knees. And here's what he says to the Lord in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 18. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And yet this was a small thing in your eyes, O Lord God. You have spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come. And this is instruction for mankind, O Lord God. And what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O Lord God. Because of your promise and according to your own heart, you have brought about all this greatness to make your servant know it. Therefore, you are great, O Lord God, for there's none like you, and there is no God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And who is like our people Israel, the one nation on earth, whom God went to redeem to be his people, making himself a name and doing for them great and awesome things by driving out before your people whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, a nation and its gods. And you established for yourself your people, Israel, to be your people forever. And you, O Lord, became their God. And now, O Lord God, confirm forever the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house. And do as you have spoken and your name will be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is God over Israel, and the house of your servant David will be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, have made this revelation to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore, your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true. And you promised this good thing to your servant. Now, therefore, may it please you to bless the house of your servant so that it may continue forever before you. For you, O Lord God, have spoken. And with your blessing shall the house of your servant be blessed forever. Are you ready for Thanksgiving? You know, in this podcast, and I think maybe another one, I'm going to do a series of two messages on giving thanks. This particular one is on choosing to give thanks. Even when you get those no's, when life is discouraging, 
and all things are not working out like you thought they would work out, I want you to follow in David's footsteps. I think he's going to help us do some stretches so that we'll be ready to really run forward with our families on Thanksgiving, and we'll choose to give thanks to the Lord. Well, why should we give thanks to the Lord? Even if he said no to a certain plan, a certain dream, here's one reason. We should be grateful just for God's favor, for God's grace. You know, David was aware that God's gifts were about the Lord's grace and generosity, not David's achievements and David's greatness. He says actually to the Lord right off the top in verse 18, Who am I, O Lord? What is my house that you have brought me thus far? That you have brought me thus far. You see, he was so grateful. He was thinking to to himself, I can't believe all that God has done. You see, he was watching sheep, but now he's been anointed as a teenager to become a king. He he defeated a giant named Goliath. He relocated the capital of Israel to be Jerusalem. He became the king of Israel. I mean, what else could you do? It's like he's definitely on an escalator, taking him up, up, and up. What about you? Is there any place in your heart today, despite maybe a no and despite something that's got you disillusioned in life, do you realize that you wouldn't be where you are without God's boost? And I think that's what he's saying. He's saying, I wouldn't be here, God, if you had not blessed me if you're not giving me your grace and your kindness, your goodness, and so forth. But also when I read verse 28, I thought, well, he's actually anticipating even more goodness to be uh, even beyond where he was standing at that moment. As he says in verse 28, and now, O Lord, God, you are God, and your words are true, and you promise this good thing to your servant. Wow, those are some powerful words coming from the man who just got a no from God about his dream. I think there's a second reason, though, David was so thankful, not only for uh, God's favor that he had enjoyed upon his life, but also I think he was grateful for his own finiteness, finitude. It means that condition of being finite. You see, sometimes we like to focus on our fitness, don't we? We like it whenever we're getting stronger and uh, more agile. But you know what? I think sometimes we are to think just a minute and acknowledge how finite that we really are. You know, to be finite recognizes I've got limits. I have boundaries. I'm not God. You know, uh, did you catch all the number of times? I think it was seven times throughout this passage that I read earlier that he calls God the Lord God the Lord God. Man, just all through there, seven different times, acknowledging that God is sovereign. I think it's also unique to the books of uh, Samuel, where he's saying, Lord God. But what did he say when it came to talking about himself? Remember now, he is the leader in the country. I mean, he is the king. But yet 10 times when David refers to himself, you know what he referred to himself as? God's servant. He called himself servant 10 times. He calls God the Lord God seven times, and he talks about himself 10 times. And every time he says, 
you know what? You've been so good to your servant. Wow. I think that keeps him grateful when he realizes all that I have, I didn't get this all by myself. I couldn't have done this all by myself. The Lord is the one who helped me to get these things. So I think he was grateful even for his own finiteness as he realized, wait a minute, the Lord is the one who has helped me get here. I think a third thing that made God uh, made David truly thankful to God was he was grateful for his family. Are you grateful for your family? Do you know that seven times in the text that I read here, seven times David refers to his house, his house. I think he's talking about his family. And, you know, one time in verse 18, he calls it my house. But even after that, he can't take it anymore. He keeps saying your servant's house, the house of your servant. And so I think he's realizing that one of his greatest treasures in life, despite being in a palace, despite having lots of authority and lots of position, you know what David is thanking God for? He's thanking God for his house, for his family. Have you ever stopped just to thank the Lord for your wife? What about for your parents? What about for your kids? If you have grandkids, what about for grandkids? I mean, on and on we could go all the way through your whole family tree. But have you ever stopped just to say, God, I'm so grateful for the family that you helped me be born into? I think he was grateful also beyond his family and his finiteness and the favor that God had placed upon him. But he also saw the future. He saw the future that was ahead. Was it dark for David? even though he had received this no from God about building the temple? No. No, verse 19, David says, And yet this was a small thing in your eyes, O Lord God. You have spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come. And this is instruction for mankind, O Lord God. He wanted everybody to know God's got your future. God's got great days ahead. And so if we'll just trust him with it, even in verse 29, he says something very similar, only he says, now, therefore, may it please you to bless the house of your servant so that it may continue forever before you. Wow, forever. He uses that word in verse 25 and 26, 29. Wow. How many things do you know of in your life right now that you could say, I have a lifetime guarantee that this will never wear out. Think about it for a moment. Well, maybe you've got something that actually was given to you that has a lifetime guarantee. That's really unique, isn't it? But I tell you something that's more unique. Do you have anything that has an eternal, an eternal guarantee that for all eternity, it's going to continue? Are you living your life just for material things, just for physical things? Or would you say, I'm trying to invest my life in eternal investments? You know, you can do your own search, but on my search, what are the things that are eternal? I thought of at least three. One, the souls of men. Two, the word of God. Three, the kingdom of God. Those things are never going to end. You may come up with some more that you would add to your list, But when I think to myself, what is it that's going to be out there in the future so that I'm not wasting my life, I'm not wasting my time, 
I'm actually investing in something that will last forever. I thought, wow, if I'm investing my life in the souls of men, if I'm sharing the gospel, if I'm investing in evangelism and outreach through my local church in my own individual personal life, if I'm investing time in God's word, it'll never end. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. And just read the end of Second Peter. If you want to know about the kingdom of God lasting forever, man, it'll never end. Wow. I think he was grateful for the future that he found in the Lord. I wouldn't want to just live my life for things that are going to actually pass away. And maybe even most things today are out of date in just a few years, right? But not God, not his word, not the souls of men and not the kingdom of God. I think he was also grateful for God's faithfulness, God's faithfulness. You know, uh, just the other day, I was reading 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4, where Peter says, you know what? I'm so glad that you provided everything I need for life and godliness through your precious and magnificent promises. Wow. God made some promises to David in this passage, and David was so grateful to God. He says, what more can David say to you? But you know your servant, O Lord. He's saying, you know me. In verse 21, he says, because of your promise and according to your own heart, you have brought about all this greatness to make your servant know it. Have you ever just stopped to think, wow, who is it that helped me get what I have? I guarantee it was the faithfulness of God that helped you get there. I love verse 22 because it reminds me of a great uh, praise and worship song, There Is None Like You. I love to sing that song because there, there is no one else like the Lord. That's what David says. He stops just to thank God for his greatness and his faithfulness when he says, Therefore, you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you, and there's no God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. Wow. I believe that he knew he could count on what this great God, what this faithful God said. I'll never forget at the commissioning service uh, that I was a part of in uh, Richmond, Virginia. We uh, were all gathered in a church and my parents were there and I was a much younger man at that point, but I was being appointed to be a missionary uh, to the people of Japan back in uh, 1994. And I'll never forget that commissioning service and something that the preacher said. The preacher said, I want those of you who are about to go to the mission field, wherever you're going, to realize that you didn't get there all by yourself. You're not standing on this stage all by yourself. And then he said something that really struck home to me because I thought of my mom and I thought of my dad. I thought of Sunday school teachers and pastors. I thought of so many in my life who taught me, teachers and professors and so forth. And I thought of them when he said this. He said, you know what? In a way, I think whenever we are able to accomplish something, it's like a turtle that is on top of a fence post. One thing you know when you see a turtle on top of a fence post, he didn't get up there all by himself. And I just realized at that moment that God had been faithful to me to give me that opportunity to go to Japan, 
the Japanese are very intelligent. They're very uh, advanced in terms of technology and so forth. And here I was just a, a country boy from Tennessee. What was I thinking, thinking that I could go there? But God had put me on this, this fence post. God had given me this door of opportunity. And so for 12 years, I was able to go there and to serve as a missionary to Japan. But I didn't get there by myself. Not only had God helped me, my parents had helped me. They had sacrificed for my schooling. So many people along the way encouraged me and taught me and mentored me, discipled me. And so how could I forget? You know, I think that's what David was thinking as he reflected back on his life. And he was thinking, Lord, how faithful, how faithful, truly faithful you have been. And then I think there was maybe one last thing that made David so thankful and so grateful. I think it was just God's name, God's name and God's glory that his name deserves. You know, I think he was grateful for God's fame. You know, verses 22 and 23, they remind me of this. Therefore, you are great, O Lord God. You are great. Isn't it about magnifying God anyway? Well, that's what I think. That's what I think all of life is about, is not magnifying ourselves, but magnifying God, the one who made us, the one who gave us our gifts and our abilities, our strengths, all that we have to bring to the table. You know, verse 26, David says this, and your name will be magnified forever, saying the Lord of hosts is God over Israel. Wow. He definitely wanted people to know where to direct the credit and the glory. I'll never forget when I stood at a wedding altar with my wife. Uh, my wife and I had sent out invitations for people to come to our, uh, to our wedding. And uh, at our wedding, I reflected upon the word we put on the wedding invitation. Psalm 34, verse 3. We had agreed that is the one psalm that characterizes what we want our marriage to be about. You know what it says? Psalm 34, verse 3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. You know, that's what I think any marriage should be about, any family. That's what I think any church, any ministry, any team, ministry team should be about. It should all be about glorifying and honoring the Lord. You know, sometimes there's disappointments though. Like even David, once again, what's he wanting to do? He wants to honor God. He wants to build a temple for God. He would like to build a great temple for God. And yet God says, no, David, you're not gonna build that temple. Your son is gonna build that temple, Solomon, but not you. Wow, have you ever had a dream that you could almost taste it, it was so real, and then you watch it just sort of vanish in the sunset. Well, there was a family, the Clark family. They lived in Scotland and uh, a long time ago, and it was a man and his wife, and they had nine children. And their dream was to move from Scotland to America. So they just saved and sacrificed and scrimped. They did everything they could. They struggled so that they could make this a part of their future experience, not only for themselves, but also for their kids. It was a dream that they were working toward. They also 
arranged all the paperwork and they were able to complete that, had everything processed. They actually bought, bought their uh, tickets so they could make that long journey. And so how wonderful it was. But seven days before they were to leave, before their departure, the youngest of their boys uh, was bitten by a dog. And so they took him to the hospital. They treated him for uh, the dog bite. And the doctor said, look, I think he's going to be okay, but we have to still quarantine you and the whole family. He said, we're going to put you in a two-week quarantine. You can guess what happened. They missed they missed that departure date. Seven days and two weeks. It doesn't go together. So whenever the ship left, the man went out to the pier by himself. He watched the ship as it sailed away. You know what he did? He cried. He's so honest with uh, his biography and so forth. He said, I not only cried, I cursed. He said, I was so depressed. I was so bitter. He said, I couldn't believe it. And so it wasn't maybe one day or two days later that he heard, unfortunately, that the ship that they were supposed to be on, the Titanic, it sank on its way to America. 1,500 passengers perished. You know what that uh, father did? He went and he hugged his son because he was so upset over not getting to go that he had kind of shunned his son. He had kind of been angry and had a little chip on his shoulder and sort of held it against that boy for getting bit by that dog. But now he realized, Lord, I've been wrong. So he fell to his knees and he also thanked God. You see, what seemed like a no to this man was actually a yes to this man. Because who knows if that man, his wife, and all nine of their children would have survived the Titanic. There were people who survived, but many did not. And so all I'm trying to say is, we are to say thank you for what I have. Thank you for where I am. Thank you for who I am. There's something about us that we sometimes freeze the camera on what we don't have, what we can't have, what is a no. But instead, we ought to say, Lord, look at all that I have. Think about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And the Lord said, you can eat of any tree in this whole entire garden, but the only tree I don't want you to eat from is that one right there. And so it was really wide open, wasn't it? And yet, what did they do? They ate from the one tree. They focused on the one thing that they couldn't have. Friend, I want you to have eyes wide open, looking for how God has blessed you. Can you say that you're grateful for God's favor? Could you say, I'm grateful, God, that I have limits, that I have boundaries? Are you grateful for your, not only for your fitness, but for your finiteness? Are you thankful for the family that you have? Are you grateful for the future that's out there in front of you that God's going to be accomplishing? Are you grateful for God's faithfulness and how he's not only seen you to where you are today, but he's going to go with you into that future? And are you grateful that you get to glorify the God who made you? Man, I don't know what's going on in your life, and I don't know what's uh, disappearing into the sunset. I don't know what may have sank, but all I know is this. 
that we serve a good God. He's gracious. He's loving. And he is wise. He's sovereign. He can make things happen. So let's bow and talk to him as we close our time. Lord, I thank you so much for your plans for each person's life. Maybe someone's having a difficult go of it right now, but I pray that you would open up their eyes to how you have blessed them. Help them realize that you're you're not finished with them. They're still living, so they still have more that you want to do through their lives. And so, God, I just pray that you would please bless each one of my friends. Help them this Thanksgiving to be more grateful than ever before. Help them to make a choice to choose to be thankful. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for Jesus. I'm thankful that he left it all to come to this earth, to down a cross for me and for you, for everybody that we know. Wow, what a Savior. Well, I hope you have a blessed week. I hope you'll uh, join us again. Remember, next week, we're going to have another in this series on giving thanks. Lord willing, next time, we're going to look at Hebrews 13. Bye. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.